0: Real quickly, I'm Aaron Poor, I'm the associate pastor here at uh, Journey Church. Um, Pastor Sean and Becca, our lead pastors, are off on sabbatical, and um, so he asked me to speak this morning, and I have something to say. Um, And I I don't have a big, fancy, uh, clever introduction. I just, I want to say that knowing God is the greatest thing that you can possibly, far and away, ever experience. Nothing even comes remotely close. Nothing is even in the same category. Now, let me say this. There are many, many wonderful things in our life that are expressions of the goodness of God, right? I mean, a wonderful marriage, the birth of a child, right? Even what we would think of as lesser things, like hiking up a mountain and surveying the beauty of God's creation. Those are wonderful things, and I believe that they are expressions of God's goodness. But I'm talking specifically about knowing God in a personal, even what we could say an intimate way where you know him and he knows you. Nothing is better than that. Nothing even comes remotely close. John 17, 3 says, This is eternal life that they know you. The only true God and Jesus Christ whom you have sent. To deeply experience the love of God is better than anything else you can experience. This is important to bring out in front of us today and establish it as a basis for what we're going to look at. We need to remember this. We need to focus on this. We need to refresh our memory that this, after all, is the greatest treasure and nothing else comes close. Listen to what David says, Psalms 84. He says, for a day in your courts is better than a thousand elsewhere. And then in Psalm 27, he says this, the one thing I want from God, the thing I seek most of all is the privilege of meditating in his temple, living in his presence every day of my life, delighting in his incomparable perfections and glory. Psalm 63 says, because your steadfast love is better than life. You can't say that about anything else, that it's better than life, right? Because you need life to experience it, right? I mean, going on a great vacation is not better than life because it's, it's, it's not a great vacation if you don't have life. To know God, to experience his love is better than life itself. We have to remember that. We have to know that. And, you know, I think, I think that we kind of get this when we are in a time of real, true worship, like we just were. I think we kind of understand that. And that's because when we are worshiping, and I mean really worshiping, I'm not talking about, you know, standing there and holding your coffee and reading the, the words off the screen. I mean, when you're really re- responding in your heart to the goodness of God, the glory of God, the holiness of God, When we are truly worshiping him, it's a spiritual action. It's not mental. It's not intellectual. That action may travel through the faculties of our mind and our intellect, but it doesn't originate there. It originates here. And so when we worship God, we get kind of an understanding that He's the greatest thing that there is. There's nothing else. But I think that there are many people, when they leave a service like this, a church service on the weekend, and they go out into their their routine during the week, I think that many people kind of default to relating to God in more of a natural-minded way. Now, I'm going to be using this term, natural-minded, often today. So let me just define what I mean by that. When I say natural-minded, this this idea shows up in Scripture a lot. Sometimes the Bible calls it carnally-minded. Sometimes it's referred to as the flesh, if you are in the flesh. And I think it's important to define this because Depending on what your background is, you may have an idea when you see the the phrase carnally minded. You might think that means something wicked or evil or perverse. It doesn't necessarily mean that. It just means that you are thinking in a naturally minded way. You're thinking like through the five physical senses. What you can see, taste, touch, hear, smell. You're thinking about your natural circumstances and situations and surroundings. Those are the things that occupy your primary mindset. Those are the things that are in the place of greatest influence in your life. That's being naturally minded. And I think that for many of us, when we leave a weekend service, we go into the week with a natural mindset in how we relate to God. And there's a problem with that. Because, let me make a statement here and then let me kind of build it up and back it up a little bit, so bear with me. But I don't believe that you can really connect with God on the basis of your intellect, because you're not that smart. Now, I'm not saying you're not a smart person, but I'm saying compared to God, uh, I'm just a speck of dirt, right? I mean, when we're comparing my thoughts with God's thoughts. So I can't connect with him on that basis. Now my mind is going to be surrendered to him and submitted to him. And I pray that prayer you know, every day. Lord, let the words of my mouth and the meditation of my heart be acceptable to you. But that's not the basis by which I connect with God. But I think a lot of us try to do that. You can't know the ways of God, the nature of God, or the heart of God simply and exclusively by being naturally-minded. 1 Corinthians 2, let me read you a little bit of this, starting in uh, verse 11. Who knows a person's thoughts except the spirit of that person which is in him? So also no one comprehends the thoughts of God except the spirit of God. Now we have received not the spirit of the world, but the spirit who is from God, that we might understand the things freely given us by God. And we impart this in words not taught by human wisdom, but taught by the Spirit, interpreting spiritual truths to those who are spiritual. I think a major problem in the body of Christ is when spiritual truths are attempted to be taught by human wisdom, because it can't really be done. We have to choose between being naturally-minded or spiritually-minded. Um, I, like I said earlier, that sometimes, sometimes the Bible refers to this as fleshly-minded or carnally-minded or in the flesh. Listen, listen to how it says it in Romans chapter eight, verse five. For those who live according to their flesh Set their minds. Now, we would call that a mindset, right? Set their minds on the things of the flesh. Now, again, the things of the flesh are not necessarily evil, wicked, perverse things. Now, there are evil, wicked, perverse things in the flesh. But you could go through your week and have many things happen that we would say are of the flesh that aren't necessarily wicked, evil things, but are you setting your mind on those things? Or let's continue reading what Paul has to say. Set their minds on the things of the flesh, but those who live according to the Spirit set their minds on the things of the Spirit. For to set the mind on the flesh is death, what? That's extreme. Isn't he taking it too far? But to set the mind on the spirit is life and peace. It is extreme. And it is true. For you to have a mindset on the natural, in other words, for your mind to only really function By what you see around you, your circumstances, your surroundings, your situations that you're in. When you live there, when those things have the place of influence over your life, it leads you towards death. And it's a form of death. Anybody that has ever wrestled with extreme anxiety and extreme fear and extreme stress, you know exactly what I'm talking about. I've been there. Those things... When your mind is set on the things of the flesh, those things become like a jail guard to your life that keeps you locked in. But to set the mind on the spirit is life and peace. What are you setting your mind on? The things of God or the things of this world? So, like I said, this idea of the flesh carnal thinking, naturally-minded thinking. It's not necessarily looking at pornography or sleeping around or getting high or things that we would think of as obvious, sinful uh, lifestyles, although those things certainly would be included in there. It's, It's literally just talking about having a focus on this world primarily, okay? A worldly, humanistic, natural focus, the Bible says is actually leading you to a form or a type of death. Now, we have a natural life. It would be ridiculous to imply that we just ignore everything in our natural life. That's not what God is asking us or or requiring us to do. You are in the world, Jesus said. You're just not of the world, right? I mean, you have a job. Most of you have a job. Many of you have kids You've got to take places, you've got to buy groceries, you've got to live your life in this world. Uh, the question is, where is your heart focused? Where is your mind focused? What do you have your mind set on? When you leave this place today and tomorrow morning you begin another week of work or, or whatever your schedule may be. Where does your mind go? What is your default setting for how you think, your mindset? Now, Paul gets a little deeper here in Romans 8. And he basically says, if you won't focus your mind on the things of God, you can't please God. That's what he's saying. In verse 7, he says, for the mind that is set on the flesh is hostile to God. For it does not submit to God's law. Indeed, it cannot. Those who are in the flesh cannot please God. Now, this is not a, there's nothing about this message that is meant to be condemning in any way, shape, or form. This is a message, and you're going to see this real clearly here in a second. This is a message about freedom, this is a message about liberty. This is a message about stepping into a new frontier in what life can be when you live in the life of God. So this is a big deal, though. If you're living with a mindset on the flesh or a natural mindset, it's a big deal because it can actually make all the difference in living your purpose for God. It can make all the difference... In actually experiencing God's goodness in your life, and God wants to express his goodness towards you. It's in his nature. He wants you to know his goodness. This mindset can create a barrier. It can even create a barrier in you knowing God in the way that God wants you to know him. And you need to be, if you're not already there, you need to be spiritually minded. Because you are a spirit. That's what you are. Now, when you look in the mirror every morning, your physical, natural eyes tell you you are a body. But you're not a body. Because if, God forbid, a giant meteor were to smash into Liberty, Missouri, and we were all just pulverized, we would still exist. These bodies would stop existing, but we would still exist. And you have to remember you are a spirit. You have a soul. You live in a body, but you are a spirit. Whether you're aware of it or not, you exist in a spiritual world. I heard somebody talking one time about when you experience regeneration, new life, Jesus described it as being born again. When that happens, eternal life actually starts at that point. Not when we die and go to heaven, it starts at that point because new life has been created inside of you. You are a spirit, you live in a spiritual world. So, just like you have physical eyes, you also have spiritual eyes. And you can determine whether or not those eyes are closed or open. You can determine whether or not you see through those eyes or you keep them shut. And just like you have natural ears that are hearing my voice right now, you also have spiritual ears. You have them whether you realize it or not, and I think this is what we're talking about today. Many people don't realize that they have this God-given ability to hear God. And I talk to people a lot that say, I just don't, I don't hear God. Or maybe they might say, I don't think God talks to me. Well, the, the factor here is whether or not your spiritual ears are being put to use. Jesus said, if you have spiritual ears, you should use them to hear spiritual things. Do you believe that Jesus said that? If you need any proof, let's just look at it right now. I have a couple scriptures. Let's put them up. Go ahead and throw the first one up there. We'll go through this quickly. Mark four nine, and he said, "He who has ears to hear, let him hear." Go ahead and go to the next one. Matthew thirteen. For this people's heart has grown dull, and with their ears they can they can barely hear, and their eyes have they have closed, lest they should see with their eyes and hear with their ears and understand. With their heart, and I would heal them. Let's go to the next one. He who has ears to hear, let him hear. Let's go to the next one. He who has an ear, let him hear what the Spirit says to the churches. To the one who conquers, I will grant to you the tree of life, which is in the paradise of God. Let's go to the next one. Matthew 13. He who has ears to hear, let him hear. Mark 4:23. If anyone has ears to hear, let him hear. Revelation 3. He who has ears to hear, let him hear what the Spirit says to the church. Revelation 2.11, who has an ears to hear? Let him hear what the Spirit says to the churches. Luke 8.8, 8, and some fell, I love this story, but let's just look at this verse. Luke 8.8, 8, some fell into good soil and grew and yielded a hundredfold, and he said these things. He called out, he who has ears to hear, let him hear. And then Revelation 3.13, he who has an ear to hear, let him hear what the Spirit says to the churches. Jesus said again and again, And again, and again, over and over, there are people who can hear this. And those of you who can hear what I'm saying, listen. What he's implying is that not everyone has the ear to hear what he's saying, but some do. Now, not everyone is listening. So, I've always believed that this is a major, major factor in spiritual life. That this is a big, big deal in your ability to really know God. Because think about a close relationship in your life, like your spouse or a child or a parent or something like that. If you only had the ability to communicate in one direction, that relationship is going to be somewhat shallow. Relationship goes two ways, right? We speak, we listen, we talk, we hear. And if you aren't able to hear, then you're missing out on a massive amount of the relationship, the direction, the wisdom, the peace, the joy, the love that God has for you, that he wants to give to you. So I had an illustration for why this happens. And I actually talked about this several years ago, uh, but it was kind of hard to see up here on stage. And so I want to do this again, but as is our custom here at Journey Church, I created a video. And so let's go ahead and take a look at this right now. Okay, now remember the natural mind cannot comprehend the spiritual. It can't. Now you have a natural mind and you also are a spirit. And the natural mind can't listen to the things that are spiritual. It listens to things that are natural. And a lot of times the the problem that people get into when they're trying to hear God is they're listening with their natural mind. Now, uh, I have to kind of give you an example here. I have my trusty old... AM FM radio, I have one that has not yet been taken and put in an ancient history museum. So uh, I've got one for the purposes here. Now this radio has the ability to listen or tune in to uh, transmissions that are coming across the AM frequency spectrum and the FM. So both at the same time. So now if I turn it on to the AM and let's just say that the AM frequency is like listening with your natural mind, right? So it's like your ears, uh, you're hearing things in the natural, you're thinking things with your intellect, right? Your mind, your will, your emotions, kind of on that soul level. Um, And so we can listen on the AM, and right now I hear static. So there is something coming across, it's just static right now. But you know, at the same time, as that transmission is coming across the AM dial, I can switch over to the FM at the very same time. Sounds like I got some classical music going on here, right? And something else is being transmitted on that frequency. But what did I have to do to be able to hear that music on the FM? I had to tune in to what was being transmitted on that frequency spectrum. You know, this radio is able to hear both things, but I've got to pick which one I'm listening to, right? Now you and I, we are capable of hearing both natural things and spiritual things, but we have to choose which one we're going to tune into. Now, I can talk to you about something deeply spiritual. Uh, I can talk to you about something of God that is a very deep truth, a deep revelation. And if it is a spiritual principle or something of the revelation of the nature of God or the word of God, there is no amount of logic that I can use to appeal to your intellect or your brain to get that information into your heart, it has to be heard with spiritual ears. The intellect will not grasp it. You cannot connect and relate to God on the basis of your intellect. We are not that smart. Think about what it says in Isaiah 55:8 8 and 9. It says, for my thoughts are not your thoughts. Neither are your ways my ways declares the Lord for as high for as the heavens are higher than the earth so are my ways higher than your ways and my thoughts than your thoughts so if his thoughts are so much higher than ours then we can't get there intellectually right and we'll just need to swap out our thoughts for his Uh, we have to switch our natural mindset for the mind of Christ. And we can do that. Listen to this, what it says in, in 1 Corinthians 2, 14. The natural person does not accept the things of the Spirit of God, for they are folly to him. And he is not able to understand them because they are spiritually discerned. It's like a person listening to an AM radio hoping to hear what's, what's being transmitted on the FM frequency. You're never going to hear it. Uh, so the spiritual person judges all things, but is himself to be judged by no one. For who has understood the mind of the Lord so as to instruct him? But we have the mind of Christ. Spiritually minded. Spiritually minded. If you're spiritually minded, you will receive the revelation. You will have that aha moment. You'll be tuned in, right? And just because you're not hearing God speak right now, that doesn't mean that he's not speaking. Just think about just just now when we listened to the AM frequency, we heard all that static. There was music that was coming through, right through this room that I'm in right now, through that FM uh, frequency, but I couldn't hear it until I tuned in. Our ears have to be open and listening, right? Uh, We have to be tuned in. We have to have ears to hear. It it made me think of, this is why we just jumped straight into the message, that word that Chris had when she came up, she talked about seeing a door that was open, but you have to step through the door. Now, uh, I never, ever want to step up here and speak about something uh, without giving a practical, simple, applicable step or series of steps that you can actually take with you and do. There's no point in just knowing this if you can't do it. I don't even want to burden you with the idea that I've been naturally minded and I'm not hearing what God's saying to me and he's talking to me and I can't hear it. I'm listening to the AM and he's talking on the FM and I guess that's just my life, right? No, I want you to know how to switch to a different frequency. And this is simple. I also don't want to give you a vague... Uh, abstract ideas that are just weird and hard to understand and heady concepts that you walk out of here just scratching your head like, I still don't know what to do. Let's make this very simple. Let's make this something that you can do today. And so the things that I want to share with you are not, please don't take this like, if you do this, then this will happen 100%. What I'm trying to give you is a series of things that you can do that will begin to train your ear to hear. Okay? So if you begin doing these things, you will begin, any of you in this room who actually used to listen to a radio, when, before they had digital dials where you like, you know, dialed in the actual digital number, but you had to actually turn the dial and tune, you know how that, this worked, right? When you went to a station you wanted to listen to, you begin to tune it in. It started off with a lot of static, And then you could hear the radio station. And as you tuned it in a little bit better, the station became more clear. So what I want to give you is a series of steps that you can do to begin to tune in your hearing to what God is saying to you. Okay, sound good? All right. So how do you tune in to God's frequency? And this wouldn't be a Sunday morning sermon unless I figured out some way to make everything start with the same letter. So I have figured out how to do that. So the first one is this, scripture, scripture. Oh, it can't be that simple, Aaron. Yes, it is that simple. Scripture, fill your mind and your heart with the word of God. Let's think about what that says, the word of God. The word of God. These are the words of God. Do you want to learn to recognize the voice of God? Become very familiar with the word of God. And your heart will begin to recognize his voice as he speaks to you in a relational way. Don't make the assumption that you can never pick up a Bible and read it and somehow tune in to the voice of God. The the, the, the Bible, scripture, is the word of God. Here's the way I think of it. Any of you who have ever studied a foreign language, like, you know, you had... Spanish in high school or something like that. You know that in order to get any traction in that foreign language, you have to build vocabulary. You have to build your vocabulary. You have to begin to understand the words of that language. We, uh, my family uh, became great friends with a girl that stayed with the Martins uh, over the last almost year or so. And uh, she was from Germany. And so we all started studying German in our house because we wanted to have little conversations with Emmy. And uh, when I would be at home working on German, I'd get to feeling pretty confident, you know? Like, I think I could have a conversation. I could do this. I'm kind of fluent. And then when we would come here to church and I would start to talk with her, I'd be like, oh, okay, hold on. No, no, I don't know that word, I don't know that word, I don't know that word. My vocabulary was not built up enough to be very very fluent with her. The scripture, the word of God, will build up your spiritual vocabulary. And when you fill up your heart and your mind with the word of God another wonderful thing begins to happen. And notice I said begins to happen. This isn't like an on-off thing. This is a process. But another wonderful thing begins to happen. You begin to discern the difference between your thoughts and his voice. And that's important because that's the one thing that I hear more than anything else from people is, well, I, just, I heard something, but I just don't know. Maybe that was just me thinking that. Fill yourself up with the word. Memorize it. Meditate on it. Think about it. Take one verse and take 15 minutes and, and dig into it. I'm actually in here in just a second. I'm going to go do a little bit of a deeper dive in this. But the first thing is scripture. The second thing is solitude. Practical steps. Practical steps uh, to tune into God's frequency. Solitude. You, if you want to hear God speaking, and you know, there's a verse in the Bible that says that God speaks to us in a still, small voice. And I'm not saying that it always happens that way, but many times it does. And if you want to hear him speaking, you may have to withdraw to a place where, you, where you're free of noise. Now that could be in a physical sense, where you're not in a in a in a busy, crowded area where there's a lot of things going on around you. But that could also be in a mental and an emotional sense as well. You may do, you may need to withdraw to a place where there isn't a lot of noise in your life. And that's going to look different for different people. For Sarah and I, we had a chicken shed in our backyard and we converted it into a prayer cabin. And uh, it, it took a long time, didn't it, Galen? Yes, it did. But, it's, but it's, it's happening now. And it's a place that we can go that we can have some healthy solitude with God. Listen to what Jesus said. In Mark 6.31, he said, Let us go off by ourselves to some place where we will be alone and you can rest for a while. Sometimes if you want to be able to hear the voice of God, you need to find a place of solitude. In 2017, I had a major run-in with stress. And it was almost a hit-the-brakes-on-everything-in-life level of, of a clash with stress. And what it did is it drove me into the arms of God. But the way that I responded to that and acted on that is I went to the back of our property where the tree line is, and I went back into those trees a little bit every day for two and a half months, and I just stood back there, and I just listened. I worshipped, and I listened. I worshipped, and I listened for two and a half months. And it took that long for me to come back to a place of Re-establishing my trust in him, reestablishing my focus in God. And it was necessary. Solitude was a necessary step. The third thing, to tune in to the voice of God, is simply to put an emphasis and a focus on the spirit of God. Focus on your relationship with the Holy Spirit. Um, this is important because the Bible says that among all of the many, many other functions and roles that the Holy Spirit plays in our life, it describes him as uh, one who guides us into all truth. It describes him as a guide, as a teacher, as an instructor. And so if you, uh, like we like to say around here, lean in to your relationship with the Holy Spirit, you will find that he will guide you into This ability to tune into what God's saying. Um, This is just a real practical thing. This last week we had VBS. and, And all our kids came in here. And one of the things that they learned was how to be led by the Holy Spirit. And that's not just for kids. That's for you and me. We need to learn that. So let me tell you some practical steps on how to do this third step. I'm going to break this one down because it's really important. How do I hear the Holy Spirit speaking? Now, very simple. Start with yes or no questions. Start very simple. You don't need to start with sitting down and having a half an hour long conversation. I'm talking about baby steps at the beginning. And start with yes or no questions. And this is something that uh, please don't go out today and say, well, Pastor Aaron said yes or no questions, so should we sell our house? Should we not sell our house? <laughs> he said yes. I'm not saying that. Uh, obviously, there's many, many, uh, <laughs> there's many things that, that, that the Bible gives us about seeking wise counsel, and there's wisdom, and so, but I'm talking, again, remember, what I'm talking about is training yourself to be able to listen, and this is a process Start with yes or no questions, though. You can ask God any... Look, your relationship with God is not meant to be limited to this moment on Sunday mornings. It's meant to be an ongoing thing. And so you can talk to God about, you know, uh, you know, this sounds ridiculous, but there isn't any reason why you couldn't say, I know I need to go to the store today. Should I go all the way to Sam's Club or... Or should I, you know, just go across the street to Price Chopper or something like that? There's no reason that you can't take a mundane and a seemingly insignificant thing like that and just talk to the Holy Spirit about it. So that's part of the process of understanding the level of closeness that God would like to have with us in our life. And as you begin to do this with yes or no questions, you will begin to see that when you hear a yes, there will be a sense of peace that accompanies it. Now, please, please hear me here. I'm not saying that every time you feel peace about something, that means God is stamping an approval on it. I'm talking about a process of learning. And you will begin to see that a no is something that some of us call like a check in your spirit or a hesitation or, or kind of like a resistance These are things that you're going to gradually begin to understand. What I'm saying is, start simple. Start small. Next thing you can do to learn to interact with the Holy Spirit is a little process in and of itself. And we can just put this up on the screen. Read, pray, listen, write, and repeat. Read, pray, listen, write, and repeat. Let me show you what I mean by that. You open up your Bible. You sit down. Let's say you open it up to Psalm 23. The Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. He makes me lie down in green pastures. Stop. Pray. Father, what does this mean? Help me understand this in a deeper way. What does this mean that you're my shepherd? What does this mean that you make me lie down in green pastures? Then listen. Sit still. Listen. And grab a notebook, open it up, a journal. Write things down. Does that mean that everything that you write down is the word-for-word voice of God? Not necessarily, but you're learning. You're developing this. You're you're stepping into it. And then repeat the process. Open your Bible. Read it. Pray about it. Listen to what God says. Write it down. Uh, Last thing, and I just already kind of touched on this. Learn to live your life with the Holy Spirit. Learn to live your life with the Holy Spirit. John 4.16 says this, So we have come to know and to believe the love that God has for us. God is love, and whoever abides in love abides in God, and God abides in him. That word abide, you guys know that the Bible wasn't written in English, right? Right. That word abide literally means to dwell, to stay, to tarry, to remain. God dwells, stays, tarries, and remains with you and you with him. You're living your life with him. You may feel like you had a spiritual moment here today on Sunday morning and then you went off into your natural life. But that's just because you're not aware that he's with you. We need to become aware that he's with us all day, every day. It's okay to have an ongoing running conversation with God, with the Holy Spirit. There are a lot of times, I can't even tell you how many times I'll be pulling out of my driveway and I'll realize that I I left my computer inside or something. And I stop and I'm like, thank you, Holy Spirit. And I'm like, well, I'm just giving him the credit that he reminded me that I left my computer. Well, that's not a big, important, life-changing thing. Why would God take his time to remind you? Because he's living his life with us and our life with him. He's, he, it's, he's a senior partner in our life. And so we can learn to live our life with the Holy Spirit. Okay, let's have the band come back up, but I want to make one final point. And I, I want to leave you with this. And I didn't mean for it to come out quite this way. This is a little more of a somber, serious note that I intended. I kind of wanted to end on a... More of an up note. And, and really, this may be the most important thing, though. Prayer is both relational and procedural. Okay? Prayer is both relational and procedural. And this is something that I only started to understand in really the last couple of years. Because I've always been so emphatic on our close, relational, closer than a brother uh, fatherhood of God aspect of our relationship to God. And I've only in the last recent years been drawn back to the holiness of God, the honor of God, the reverence, the respect, what the Bible would, would refer to as the fear of God. And people get hung up on that term thinking that that means we're afraid of God and cowering in fear. Now I like to think of it like this. Think of the disciple, the apostle John, right? In the Bible it talks about how at the last supper he's the one that leaned against Jesus, right? Who's so close to him. He always referred to himself as the disciple Jesus loved. Yeah. That's I mean that's I would do that too. But then when John sees Jesus glorified in the book of Revelation, he falls down like a dead man. And so we both, re- we, we relate to God as closer than a brother, father, lover of my soul. And we relate to him as holy, ancient of days, alpha, omega, first and the last, far above all rule and authority and dominion in every name that is named, not only in this age, but in the one to come. We relate to him both ways. We have both of these unbelievable aspects of our relationship to God active at the same time. And seeing God in both dimensions is a key to being able to hear his voice. So you can't go in relationship with God where you haven't already gone in surrender to his lordship. Does that make sense? You can't say, I'm so close to God and so tight with Jesus, but he's not really Lord of my life and I kind of do my thing and he does his thing. It doesn't work that way. Your amount of surrender to him, submission to him, paves the way for your intimacy and relationship to him. So you won't be able to hear God without humility. The Bible actually says in James 4.6 that God is in opposition to the proud, but he gives grace to the humble. And so humility is the path forward. We know him as Father God. That means we know him as Father and God. And the voice of God calls us into deeper relationship. The voice of God also calls us into deeper surrender. Now, uh, yesterday, as I was just kind of finishing up last minute things, getting ready to come in for last night's service, I read this this passage out of Jeremiah, and it was so last minute, I don't even have it for the screen. And I want to read this to you, and yes, yes, I know. This is the Old Testament, and it's an Old Testament prophecy. I understand that. But what I want you to hear is God's response to a people who won't listen. Listen to this. Let me just read it for you. This is Jeremiah 6, 16 through 19. Thus says the Lord, stand by the roads and look and ask for the ancient paths where the good way is and walk in it and find rest for your souls. But they said, we will not walk in it. I set a watchman over you, saying, pay attention to the sound of the trumpet. But they said, we will not pay attention. Therefore, hear, O nations, and know, O congregation, what will happen to them. Hear, O earth, behold, I am bringing disaster upon this people, the fruit of their devices. Because they have not paid attention to my words. God is speaking to you. What what might he be saying? What type of direction might he be trying to give you today? What type of encouragement might he be trying to build you up with through his words? What type of joy might he be wanting to bring into your life today that you just can't hear? We have to be able to hear the voice of God. It's a key ingredient to successfully living for Jesus. Whether God is calling you to a deeper place of relationship or a deeper place of surrender, God is calling you today he is he is and then you may be that person that's got your radio turned tuned into AM and you're just hearing the static of this world you can switch that and you can tune into what God's saying and you need to let's stand up let me pray over you father god we honor you we desire you we want to hear your voice. We want to hear your direction. We want to hear your wisdom. We need your love. We need your peace, supernatural peace. We need your joy. And Lord, right now, we repent of having closed ears, Lord God. We say right now that at any, at, to any degree that we have been turning away from listening to you, not tuned into what you're saying, we repent. And Lord God, we say we will take the steps necessary to be able to develop a listening ear in Jesus name. And we say, Lord God, that we are never going back to that old way of natural mindedness. Lord God, our heart and our mind is set on you in Jesus name.